0: Hi, this is Lou Rosenfeld, and you're listening to the Rosenfeld Review.
1: All of us, every day, are participating in culture. It's made of us, and we're either reinforcing the old stories and the repeating patterns that the culture is currently made of, or we're influencing the way those patterns are changing.
0: everyone it's Lou Rosenfeld it's uh April 15th tax day in the U.S. and I am talking with you today with Mark Redig of Fit Associates. Hey Mark. Hi Lou. It's good to talk with you um Mark is someone I've known for gosh going back to some of the bizarre experience design related events in the early aughts um and uh Here we're gonna talk about another bizarre experience design-related event coming up uh, next month in San Antonio, Enterprise User Experience uh, 2015. It's a conference that Rosenfeld Media and Rackspace are producing uh, May 13th through 15th. Mark is involved very heavily in the conference. Mark is one of four theme leaders who is curating our program. The four themes are uh, insight, at scale, uh, craft amid complexity, enterprise experimentation, and Mark's theme, designing organizational culture. That's the easy one, right, Mark?
1: <laughs> that, that's its reputation, yeah. Th- that's the order we've done
0: the themes in, and we, we kind of saved the tough stuff for last uh, for, for obvious reasons, because we're hoping along the way we'll, we'll kind of learn that craft and And research and experimentation are all uh, important, but ultimately dependent on an organization that actually can do those things collaboratively and collectively. But, Mark, I mean, you know, when when I think of designing organizational culture, I mean, first of all, can you really design a culture? Is it something that you, let's say an individual who might be on a mid-senior level, UX person, a product manager, anyone, can you really have
1: an impact on culture in a large organization? Well, you, you said two things in that question. Can we design culture and can we impact culture? I think culture is a, is a frontier, <clears throat> excuse me, organizational culture is a frontier for design because we're used to things that we can manipulate directly. That's our training. But culture is emergent. So I think it's a better question, can we impact culture? Can we influence its emergence with intention? And the answer is yes. And we have speakers who can talk about that. And because, you know, really, people don't always think about it this way, but all of us every day are participating in culture. It's made of us and we're either reinforcing, the old stories and the repeating patterns that the culture is currently made of or were influencing the way those patterns are changing. I think it's helpful to, to, to have a working definition of culture. That's one reason it seems so intimidating is because we, don't know, we don't know what it is.
0: Does using the metaphor of material, like a design material, is that a way to better understand kind of what we have on our hands with culture?
1: My colleague talks about, you know, when we train um, industrial designers, we get them uh, intimately acquainted with materials, with wood and metal, and how they resist uh, being formed and how they prefer to be formed and so on. But when we work with culture, we don't have that training. The materials of culture are basically relationship and people's inner lives. Friedrich Capra, who looks at culture as a living system, uh, says that it's made of beliefs and values and explanations. And those, those beliefs and values and explanations get shared across relationships through conversation. And we get these repeating structures of relationships that persist even as people come and go in an organization, those same structures of relationships remain, and then patterns of conversation and and activity. So that's the material. So we have on the speaker list, we've got Phil Gilbert, who's general manager of IBM Design, who's engaged in this unprecedented scale of culture shift. There's over 300,000 employees in IBM, and the CEO has mandated a refreshing and modernization across the organization of IBM's historical affinity for design, you know. So they're they're just uh between hiring and training and modeling new kinds of collaboration and uh supporting product teams at an incredible rate. They are uh, really in 10 years they're they're going to shift that culture through this kind of top-down deliberate action.
0: It's interesting. Uh, You know, I mean, it's a work in progress, obviously. And and fortunately, in terms of how large enterprises think, um, you know, 10 years is is maybe on the reasonable side. You know, they're giving themselves some time to work on this. But I almost wonder if their leadership would have been better off saying, hey, instead of let's get better at design or refresh our design chops, and build capacity there maybe they should have said let's change our culture
1: i think they did say that yeah i think that is exactly what the effort is how do we create a sustainable culture of design that changes what ibm ships and how it relates to customers and how people work together and do it at at IBM scale. But meanwhile, we've got thousands and thousands of mid-level managers and other kinds of companies who are not living under that kind of executive uh, mandate, but who are working to bring user experience and its benefits and its practices into an existing engineering culture or marketing culture. And there's some heroic and very clever efforts just using education or using internal websites to connect designers with product teams and so on so and that's that's another one of our speakers Julie Beher who was at Citrix for a long time doing just that kind of influence across and up from from the middle so that
0: almost sounds like more of a a a grassroots approach although my limited knowledge of Citrix is that there there was definitely some, some top-down support for that.
1: I think that's right. Yeah, often there are, I mean, not only Citrix, but if you look at other companies, there are verticals, there are divisions where there is more executive support, but certainly not the, the scale of investment available that IBM is is putting mm-hmm. into this. So with the limited funds and with the permission they have, and I think in a different philosophy, so IBM is kind of an experiment, it is an experiment in can we influence top-down at scale and not demoralize our people and not break what's special about the current culture. Phil Gerbert talks about being thoughtful and deliberate about what to break. But some of these these middle-out uh, efforts are much more about nurturing the possibility that is present when design and um, other parts of the culture come together. So give people experiences in a way of working that isn't like the one they've all been doing and and is exciting because of how fast something better comes out. So kind of spread... Maybe in networking terms, maybe it's uh, uh, spreading activation of something different. For both managers and designers, it's uncomfortable because you can't control this. There's a personal side to this of, of needing to let go and pay close attention to what's working so you can feed it and what's not working so you can dampen it.
0: So there's a bit of culture. In order to change culture, I have to let culture change me. I have to, for example... Adopt the language or the vocabulary that's in use in order to to be part of the conversation that's already going on. Before I change it, I have a, the sense that you know you were kind of scratching at the at the tip of the iceberg with um, with what's going on at Citrix. That they kind of had to do a lot of small things around language and education, and to kind of start being able to be part of that broader conversation of change in the organization. One thing I'm wondering about is. You know, as we talk about this, I wonder if there's a almost like a, a Stuart Brand style pace layer model of different layers of change, some being more slow and, and ponderous, and some being far more uh, supple and influenceable that might be useful here. Are, are there things that, you know, we, we can and must do right away, whereas where there are other things that are just going to take 10 years? Uh, and do they kind of lend themselves into some neat package or
1: model? Those are good points. It is certainly true that in, like the anthropologists have uh, things like, not exactly, but but kind of like those pace layers where fashion famously changes overnight. But the fact that it's bad to lie to your friend, that's pretty enduring. There are a couple nice things in there the uh language thing let's see i, I I'm, I'm thinking too many things at once the third speaker on the uh, in the afternoon about organizational culture is nathan shedroff he's program chair of an mba in design strategy It's design a uh, design mba right a design mba so he's he's at an interesting overlap there and and in a nice position um, and he's actually addressing directly one aspect of the language thing that you mentioned, which is value. So one thing that changes slowly in a culture is what people believe about what's good and what's bad, yeah? or what's worth getting more of, what are we trying to get more of. And if you work only on the levels that are easiest to change and which change the fastest, you are less likely to touch things down in the down in the belief layer. But if you can do work that helps people notice their presuppositions, their underlying assumptions and beliefs, and question them and see how there's discord between their beliefs and what's actually true about the world, now you can you can get new things showing up kind of emerging from the bottom of the culture that are very creative and surprising. So Nathan's saying, hey, design has not had a very good uh, definition of value, and business's definition of value has mostly been quantitative and mostly financial. But there's he's got, I think, five aspects of, of value and says that we, we need both qualitative and quantitative methods to work with them, if conversations like that can kind of flip the light on of realization for both business and design to say, oh, our work to get more value is actually bigger than a working to get more revenue. Now, that, that is a conversation that can spark culture change.
0: Well, and I, I think it's really telling that uh, Nathan is bringing this up now because he is is essentially making a point that it's time for those of us who come from small D design backgrounds to almost go back to our roots in terms of what we understand as having value, that we've, as part of changing culture, have been trying to essentially play on the home turf of people who look at value in a more quantitative way and that the time now has come that we can kind of step back from that and reintroduce our own concept of value and maybe fuse those two together. And if that's the case, then I, I'm talking myself into being more optimistic that we actually can design organizational change because that yeah. shows an evolution. It shows progress. And that's, yeah. and it's, uh, th- there's no accident there in the, in the fact that we're having Nathan give the final talk, uh, on the, uh, the fourth and final theme of the conference. I think he's going to kind of cap things off in a really nice way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I'm excited about this trio of speakers, but I'll say that kind of going back to the question that you asked at the beginning, another reason that people are skeptical about culture change is it's not a material you can affect directly. You know, there's no, no Photoshop for, for human relationship. You can't order good team structure on Amazon, so there's some new skills as design becomes more involved or responds more actively to the challenge of culture shift. There's a bunch of skilling, so like we've found that we needed to really up our facilitation chops and not just facilitating good meetings, but facilitating a room of people that might be a very diverse group of people. Where there might be some conflict, or at least different ways of seeing things, to have a different kind of dialogue—that's you know the real kind of conversation that it actually can uh, shine light on presuppositions and beliefs and make kind of a, a collective realization, like, oh, yeah, maybe we have been doing this just because we've always done it, and maybe we should create, maybe we could create something new together. So there's a number of skills like that that I'm hoping that at the conference we can uh, get into the so what do we do a part of this topic. Absolutely. And, you know, if people are interested in what happens
0: after the conference who want to pursue those skills or, or just uh, whether you go to the conference or not, Mark and his partner, Hannah DuPlessis, are, at Fit Associates are, are really fantastic people to talk to about that. Uh, and with that... Uh, Yet another plug. (laughs) We'll wrap up this podcast. And uh, for those of you who can make it to San Antonio, Mark and I are looking forward to meeting you in person. And um, Mark, thanks for uh, joining us today. Thanks, Lou. Appreciate it. Take care.